0: This is Coach MJ back on another episode of the Real Mission Impossible show. Today, we have a guest who has been a game changer in corporate America, but prior to that, he broke records in the sea as a Navy SEAL. He served honorably for our country, and today he's going to speak to us about his episodes of some adversity and some tips for leadership in the future. I'd like to bring on our guest Jeff Engel. Hello, sir. Thank you very much for coming on,
1: Coach. Thanks for having me. I, I uh, appreciate, it. and I, I, I would, I always love the banter, and I appreciate us talking beforehand because I uh, appreciate what you do, and I think your your brand is on point um, with how you split to what everyone thinks is impossible. No, 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 I, I'm possible. I think it's a great message that you're conveying. So thanks, thanks for having me on.
0: Well, it's and a pleasure, you and do. you know, just thinking about. You and your career and some of the things that our audience would love to know about, first of all, how you first got into the Navy and your journey through BUDS and after. Could you give us a little bit of backstory?
1: Sure. Um, Maybe not the most elegant, but I didn't have a good enough reason to not go to the Naval Academy. Um, So really wanted to go to UCLA, uh, was accepted to the Naval Academy and realized that uh, it was an opportunity that I could not pass up. Uh, wanted one stay, stay in California, but I knew that I was gonna have better opportunities in life than with the Naval Academy. And it was, uh, why it was gonna be more difficult, best thing I did. It was the best place for me. I was pretty street savvy at the point when I was uh, 19, 18, 19 years old, um, but the academics was something that was very valuable to me. And even still, thousand years later, I still think about what I learned academically in school and still helps me, especially helps me today with what I'm doing with my company, Location Tech. Some of the
0: challenges we're, all, we're always seeing in movies and on television, the struggles of naval cadets who are going through the Navy SEALs training and they're drill sergeants, not drill sergeants, but those mean guys are trying to get them to flunk out and fail out. Did it ever come to you? Did it ever come to you in your head going, oh, my God, maybe maybe today I'm just going to ring the bell?
1: Yeah. Uh, So, um, luck, no. Um, but there were times that, uh, it would have been nice (laughs) to, um, and, and there was, and so I I actually had something happen, uh, about four weeks ago and, and I'd I'd worked one of the, when I was a SEAL team three, I worked for Admiral Craven. At the time he was commander of Craven. And, um, learned a tremendous amount from him and I've read all of his books and led the read the last one. It's uh, Wisdom of the Bullfrog, great book. And um I was starting to think about it, everything, lessons I learned from him. And for every one of those chapters, there was four or five lessons that I could write about or put down. But what really kind of brought it home was I was at an event um where I was introducing him on stage. And there was two of us introduced him, and the first person shook the first person's hand, and then uh, and then he and then took the other person's hand. He came and gave me a hug, and I, I was a little surprised. It's not what I expected. What I call kind of like the the equivalent to the Pope in special operations to give me a hug on stage, but it was kind of a really turning moment for me. It said, "Okay, I, I, I've made it in what I'm doing." One, I'm on stage of, at this major event. Two, I'm getting hugged by the Pope of Special Operations. But back to the question, when I was going through Hell Week, which is the program starts on Sunday, goes till Friday and you get about four hours sleep total. First night sleep you get us on, first night you get some sleep is Wednesday. So you've gone Sunday to Wednesday with no sleep, you just keep moving. But one of the events was down in demo Pit and we're in this area, and it's cold. It's wet. You're miserable. You're like freezing. Um, like just miserable. And every so often, they you'd have to go run to the you'd have to go run to the ocean, hop in the ocean, then jump back into this little pond area. That's that, like, like, it's just brutal. But as I was running out to the beach, our class leader Dean Valentine was was running in, and uh, running back, and I stopped him gave him a big old hug for for about 3 seconds then and then ran on and so for me when things get really tough sometimes a simple hug just gets me going and so it's those little things like that that just kind of make a difference for me so that probably not what you expected when you said hey what did everything about quitting but when it gets tough sometimes just getting a hug or a pat on the back makes a difference
0: i don't think there's anybody who ever expected you to say that but I'll tell you something I sure appreciated (laughs) because it sounds like pretty human to me. And we, we've kind of, you know, elevated the Navy SEALs as to some super humans and superheroes. And by the way, um, the things that you do and things that you had to do for our country that you can't talk about, we just can only honor you and and thank you for everything that you've done for sure. Uh, Uh, But, but the adversity that we wanted to try to get into was, you know, did you have a moment? You don't have to say that. Maybe it's what, with a relationship, maybe it's with one of your kids, maybe it's in the traffic. Did you ever have a moment where you just, I just can't take this anymore? Oh, sure, everyone does.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone does. And um, and so even within my company, who are uh, very talented people, um, but sure, I'm the CEO of the company, um, but I really think about us being peers, of the the leadership and um sure we, we have some brutally tough conversations. times and sometimes i'm not always that polite or i'm i'm i could be a little more eloquent or a little bit kinder but what we all do is we come back after and say hey I, I could have done better and and we kind of work through of how can we have done it better and that's so and, and I learned this from Alma Craven, the SEALs, like you're not going to get it right every time. And if you're and if you're when you're pushing it, you're going to break things. But it's what do you do after you break it to how to fix it? It could be conversation that didn't go right. It could be sinking a boat or or it could be um, crashing a bike as a kid um it could be when I when I swam could be missing a flip turn or, or not doing a dive well but you go back and you reflect how what could you've done better I, I still think about conversations that I had 20 years ago or things that I 20 years ago and up until 10 years later I'm still improving what I did because I was like I come back I say oh here's here's how I'd solve it differently this time and then after 10 years of wisdom, I'm like oh well now here's what I do a little bit differently. And so I'm always thinking about how do I take something and make it better? Um, and that's what the SEALs taught me. That's what um, the Naval Academy taught me. That's what Buds taught me. Cause you're, you're, you're never gonna get it right at Buds. Never gonna get it right. And, um, but at the end of the day, you just can't quit. And, and I said this to this, uh, my classmates and Buds. If you start quitting now, when do you stop quitting? Um, and sure, there are some times when you want, when you need to think about it, it doesn't make sense to quit, but you need to logically think through and make sure you're not doing emotion. Is it is there a better path to go than what we're doing? And that was back when I joined the Naval Academy. There was not a better path for me. That was the best path for me to, to do going forward for, for the journey that I was going to go on. It was going to it was going to help me get ahead in life. And um, so it, it's you're always going to fail in life. But it's it's what do you do afterwards. Or I should say you're not always going to get it right. It's what do you do afterwards. You know you, uh, you 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 triggered
0: something in me that Zig Ziglar used to talk about. He says, "Are you going to uh, react or are you going to respond?" And very often in those kind of in, in, uh, interhuman uh, conversations, we very often we react, and we react because of some some trigger that we've had. Versus being thoughtful, using wisdom, and responding.
1: Oh, everyone gets triggered. Again, if you're not getting triggered, then you're then. Uh, well, it's just impossible not to get triggered, self or other. It and when you when you know you're going into hypercritical events, then you need to kind of make sure you plan out the plan, and execute it. And by the way, every plan, as soon as it starts being executed, most of them fall apart and fail. But it's how do you work through the process and so it could be a call with a customer it could be an example of installing it at a customer and then like we did an install the other day for a customer and uh, on motorola radios and and didn't quite go as well as we expected we turned it on and there was some chatter that happened on the system that we didn't expect but we took a step back and said oh, okay how do we solve this and then in 10 minutes of kind of deliberately talking through the steps of step one, step two, step three, and then figuring out where, where it didn't quite go. Right. And we, we solved it, but it was, it's put a plan in place, execute it, but there's going to be, but you can't be on all the time. And so when those critical moments do your prep, put a plan in place and then execute it. And then when it falls apart, you have your contingencies. So, but other times when you're a little more relaxed, you may not be quite as calm as you like to be, or, or not as up as you want to be. You may just be down and just, just monotone when you could be more up and that's, and so around your family, et cetera. So.
0: Let me ask you a question, uh, Jeff, when you were young, younger, and I mean like maybe in your teens, who could you think of back then if you were at all? I don't know if I was, but who could you think of might have been your leadership models? People either you'd seen on TV or maybe a movie actor, one of those people that might have been a role model or or, or
1: two or three of them um i think my my coaches, my son coaches were were good um i mean there was a my one of my first coaches was good at encouraging me um it when i was seven or eight um my my mom in many ways was very good and uh when i was hated school. Uh, not one of my strong suits growing up. Um, and I was, I started swimming as a kid. And, uh, but really didn't want to swim. I just wanted to hang out and pull in and I to swim. And I was like, mom, I don't want to swim anymore. I don't want to be on the swim team. She goes, no problem. You don't, you have to do something. How about summer school? I was like, ooh, that's more painful than swimming. I'm going to swim. So my mom was good at helping me give me alternatives. Good, I had to do something. But so it was what was going to be the least painful, and so kind of my mom was a good role model. A couple of my coaches were good, and and not all my swim coaches treated me the same, but they were. They all kind of did something different, um, and and they were. And, but they they did things that were authentic to who they were, and they they responded to me authentically of who they were. Um, but I'd also say that there were peers, um, peers of mine that swam. I mean, there was a gentleman who, Keith Frostad, who I haven't talked about in years, um, who went on to the Olympics and swam. Um, and so he influenced me. But I, I think the influence comes from from peers. It comes from people above you, but also came from when I was swimming and teaching, teaching little kids how to swim and seeing how they work through things. So I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. I think we can learn from kind of people that are above us, next to us, and below us all the time.
0: Sure. I think that kind of brings me back into the the impossible syndrome, because we sometimes we do things we get pushed to a certain level, maybe, in, and you had this in BUDS, I'm sure, <laughs> like everybody else who went through BUDS, you reached a point, because I don't know if I could go on one more step, but you did. You found a way. Uh, I don't know if I could swim one more uh, lap, but you found a way. You did it. Um, so you've had those impossible walls that you've broke through and you you've proven that uh, the epitome of I'm possible because you made it. And when you finally got through that and began to go into active duty serving, um, you know, you you were able to look back and go, you know what? All those times I could have given up all those times I saw other people ring the bell and and drop out. Um, I stuck with it. And so perseverance, dedication. Perseverance dedication and perseverance dedication have been two of my best friends
1: yeah I, and um I also think it's about so sure it, it it has to come from within, but it's also helpful when you're surrounded by others that have the same mentality and and there's there's been a lot of talk in the like hey is bud's too tough or or is work too tough anything else and and not. Everyone's right to be on the team, and and so in buds, at least seventy percent, probably more likely more than that, quit. Um, so they're just they're they're choosing to go a different path. Nothing wrong with that. And some some are some of the 80 percent are medical reasons. Nothing wrong with that. It just means this path isn't right for them. And and I see the same thing in the like. There's a ton of things now, especially as, as I've done more and more in the business world. Twenty plus years after the seals, uh, it's the same thing. Getting the right people because there's some people that I've worked with; they're very talented, but they're not right for what I'm doing at Location Tech today. And one of the things that I, this and one of the reasons I, I ended up with I ended up buying um, Location Tech or buying the technology, which is now Location Tech, for the simple fact that the technology at the time was just okay. But the reason why I bought it was because the talent that was, that was part of the team. I knew that I would never be able to, to work with this quality talent again. And so, like, when I was in the SEALs, I worked with some really, really qualified people. Like, one, uh, one of the guys is up for the Medal of Honor right now. He has the Navy Cross, but it's being, it's being looked at to be reviewed. I, an, another another gentleman was one of the shooters from the Captain Phillips uh, hostage rescue where, if you remember, the movie was made about it, and there was a there's been a couple of Mike Day who was shot twenty seven times, um who unfortunately uh, committed suicide, which is an issue in our community. Um, but uh, all these were 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 doing things that were just impossible, but because they just have to work through it. so i, I um so,
0: yeah, that's it's a. Uh, it is something that you just touched on, and adversity doesn't exactly go down with everybody's appetite. Some people are, are more resilient. I think the the adage is, if you try to be an oak tree in a hurricane, you'll find out that it's the willow trees that survived. Um, it, and you know, having that, you have to write that one down. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's really. I mean, honestly, it's really true. The older we get, the wiser we we seem to to get and and uh that that's something that we're we're definitely back in those days though we thought oh let's be an oak tree uh, but yeah
1: and and, and 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 that's um so there, there's some research about like really like hardcore cutting edge um new developments is done in people that are that are like in their 30s 20s and 30s but but people that are older are doing kind of these broader moving the ball significantly and I, I i didn't quite finish the thought but the reason why i bought location Tech was because of the talent like i've never been on a talent where everyone is better than me so i started talking about like uh guy who's up for the medal of honor sniper shot shot and all that stuff but but what um so in the seals some were better than me and some and i was probably better than some but I've never been part of a group where everyone was better than me. And that's what the team at location tech is like For in their respective skill sets, they are better than me. Um, And so I knew I would never have that chance to do that again. And so um, some people on the team actually kind of get frustrated with me that I keep talking about that. Um, they're like, no, 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 no one cares that we spent 25 plus years at Qualcomm and took stuff from R and D and put it all the way to implementation. Sure. We did it with, third the team is everyone else. No one cares about that. What they really care about is that what you're going to do is Navy seal. And 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 what I've realized, and I've talked been talking a couple of things is is it's actually really all of us together. And so they do things that I can't do um mentally and I just can't do, but there's things that I'm able to do that they just that they're not able to do. And so what Location Tech does is we do indoor geolocation and we're and the tech team is good enough that our technology is now on motorola radios so motorola radios use us for indoor location. so you push a button on the radio inside a building and it'll give you the right floor in right room in the building but so really good technology but when we we're working with police force or swat teams then i'm able to easily take over the conversation and saying i understand you'll understand what you're doing so Case in point, one of, the, one of the use cases for our solution is if you have a school shooting and you have someone barricaded in the building, you can have an assault force walk up and you hand them a tablet, computer tablet, and say, here's the layout. And here's where one is. Like, I understand, can a Navy SEAL, I understand how assaulters work, how you assault a building and how you take down a building, how you go find the bad guys. At the same time, how do you pull out the hostages? And so... What we've so great, sure we have great technology, but what we have is we have this ability of really good technologists that are that are cutting edge and best of breed. But then we have what I learned from Al McRaven and others of how do you run a team and how do you run an assault force. And so we're able to talk to the 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 responders in a meaningful way, but we're able to to do it in a technology advanced way. So it's been, but it really goes back to. I bought Location Tech and gave, uh, and then we split up the company. So because of the raw talent that it was just so good. So, it's, so back to the original point: it's not about the individual; it's about the people you're around. And so the 30% that are still part of the team are the ones that still want to be there. And when you find people like that, you hold on to them and you hold on to them dearly, and and be grateful for it. Those those are where you do something amazing
0: it's very telling so many people in leadership positions i wouldn't call them leaders but leadership positions who think that they have to compete with their team they want to, they have to be the smartest guy in the room and they have to have all the ideas and they're controlling and they diminish their team and they don't really hold on to them at all so that they lack the that leadership pixie dust that you've picked up uh, from all your experiences, because how you talk about your team is very nurturing and who would not want to sit down uh, at a dinner with you knowing full well as if I'm a member on your team, I, I know already how much appreciated I am sitting at the table. And that's only going to foster my own productivity and give me more reasons to contribute to be appreciated even more and more. So it's a great Centrifugal force of positivity that your leadership style obviously has settled onto, and I I think it's admirable.
1: Oh, thanks. I I, I remember, um, and and I I know the guy won't remember this thing, but but we talked earlier about not always getting it right and kind of losing our cool or losing our temper or, snap or anything like that. But I remember I was on a patrol once, and my point man, who like. Awesome, like really good. But he he kind of did something. That and actually he was right. Let me be very clear. He was right. And he was in charge. he, he stopped us, rallied us up, and I was kind of like, hey, that's my job to say that. And and I was like, where the heck did that come from? Like, the point man needs to rally up, then we rally up. Like, you're not always in charge, dude, talking to myself in my head. And so it it was it goes back to the basic thing. Like you gotta release control to have control. Because you're not always gonna like if you're on a patrol of five folks or or even three or sixteen, the other if you're in sixteen, the other fifteen are gonna see something you're not seeing. So you have to listen to them. You have to you have to be able to, to do this. And so even like you're in a as a SEAL, when you're in a firefight as the officer. You don't shoot. You're looking around and your head's on a swivel to figure out where you go. Where do you go next? You let everyone else move this. And so I had one of my radio men who always walked behind me. He was really good at hitting hitting things with the 40 mic mic, with the grenade launcher. But at the same time, I knew he was locked into what he was doing. So if we got up to move, I knew I had to grab him or else he'd stay on the ground. And so there's people that do things really well. So you have to when you know they they're not quite as good at something else, you have to grab and move them. But, but I learned from Chris that hey, you can't control everything because sometimes they're going to see things you're not going to do, and there's other things that people are really good at something. But if they're not, but if they have weakness somewhere else, then it's okay. They're not going to be perfect at everything, and they shouldn't be. But the because where where they're not quite as good at something else, they're really good at something else. So you find those things and you help enhance them, and that's back to original thing. One of my coach swim coaches. Um was, was coach Coach Bone was very good at, at doing that. He helped bring out those kind of that that inner ability to just just kind of go where others hadn't gone. So and you just kind of helped me believe in myself. Goes back to your point. I'm possible. We're talking to Jeff Ingalls,
0: former Navy SEAL who went into corporate America and did a, a double up, took a 300 million unit and put it up to almost a billion before getting out and starting his own company. And today, he and his team are thriving based on leadership tips that he took from others, his swim coaches, and then working as a, in SEAL Team Tim 3 uh, for uh, Admiral McRaven, so a commander of McRaven at the time. Um, and he shared some of his tips with us today. Jeff, I want to thank you. Uh, and I'm going to ask you one last question as a parting shot uh, for our audience. Uh, could you give us a go-to for something that you might think about yourself Anytime you feel like you're up against the wall, something that you use to kind of push yourself through, is there anything that you can think of?
1: Yeah, um, I do this pretty often. I do it actually on the weekends usually. Um, take a step back and think about where, where am I trying to get to. And I always think about the end the end goal and then work backwards. Because if you don't keep looking at where the end goal is, you're going to start wandering off target and by looking at the end goal it helps you recalibrate am i still on track or have i deviated off and so when when i get lost overwhelmed or anything else taking a step back and looking about where do I need to go what am i trying to achieve and that's you kind of apply that everywhere else i'm pretty heavily focused on my company right now and so i do that i spend sundays a couple hours on sundays just thinking about that for the company um so that, that's Probably the one party thought I have. And, and Out,
0: outstanding. Outstanding. We appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much for your service and for joining us here today on the Real Mission Impossible show.
1: Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it.